Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Two weeks ago, begin a little mini-series on parenting. We're going to continue that uh, this morning. What I talked to you about two weeks ago was some verses from the book of Proverbs, and we extracted some truths from God's Word there about parenting four, and the four in specific, and the last one was this, kind of priority truth was above all else in raising of children, prize the heart, prize the heart. Because the heart, Scripture says, is the wellspring of life. Get the heart right, then the right stuff is going to flow out of the heart. So parents, prize the heart, focus on the heart. And so what we did last week then, related to that, is try to expand upon that, begin to from Colossians chapter 3. If the heart is the central key piece that we need to be focusing on as parents, then how do we develop the heart of a child? What is needed in the development of a child's heart? And we begin to look at that in Colossians chapter 3. But let, let me just say this as we begin. You might be here and may not be a parent. Either your kids are grown and they're out of the home or you have no kids or you're not married and so the temptation could be to say well this doesn't apply it's not relevant to me let me just get you to rethink that for a moment I'm sure that you have already realized this a good chance if you're single young and single you're probably going to have kids maybe get married you need to know this truth secondly the church is a family Church is a family. And so all of us in some capacity influence other people. And the principles that work in the home work with whoever we are influencing in whatever type of a role of leadership that we have. And that works in the larger family called the body of Christ as well. So you're needed as a part of the equation here. Thirdly, The gift of preaching and the power of the Word of God, not the power of Brad, but the power of the Word of God, don't discount that. Let me just give you an illustration uh, that has happened to me many and many times over. I have, last 17 years, week after week, preached, and many times I've had individuals come to me So grateful, saying, here's what God said to me through you, and I'm thinking many times, where did I say that in the message? But you see, the Spirit of God speaks what needs to be spoken to the heart. So God has something, I believe, for all of us here when His Word is opened. It's His Word. It's timely, and it's timeless. We don't just take parts of His Word It all applies. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on how many words that come from the mouth of God? Every word. 
And then finally, if you say, well, still really, I don't see how it's going to apply to me, then you just get to be in a really great position this morning. You get to be most like Jesus. You know what Jesus is doing right now? Scripture tells us what Jesus is doing right now. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding there for the saints. So, if you say, well, this just is not going to connect with me, then here's what you can do. You can be Jesus here this morning, and you can intercede as I preach for the people, the parents, and those that influence kids that need to hear this. Okay? So all of us have uh, an assignment here this morning. So let's jump back into Colossians chapter 3 as we look at developing the heart of the child. What we looked at last week was two critical components. These are given, I believe, in order of importance, and they come in the direct order of importance in the text. And the first one that we looked at last week was the spiritual component of the child's life. And we took that from the 17th verse of Colossians chapter 3, which says, In whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What your children need more than they need anything else is that they need to understand that Jesus is their Lord and their life is to be a life lived under His Lordship, giving thanks to Him for it the spiritual component. Secondly, the relational component. The very next two verses in Colossians chapter 3 are about husbands and wives. How husbands and wives are to relate together and they talk to you about the, how critical it is in the development of a child to see a father and a mother living according to the biblical pattern set down in Colossians chapter 3, 18 and 19. What we're going to look at today is two or three more components for the development of a child's heart. You see, verse 20, that is focused on the child, that speaks to the child, says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. What our goal as parents should be is to raise children that please the Lord. And so what I believe that the Spirit of God did in inspiring this to be written is all around chapter 3, verse 20, and this picture of a child that is living a pleasing life to the Lord is that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to give the components that will help develop that kind of a child. So we saw two of those previous to verse 20, the spiritual component being first and foremost in a child's life, and secondly, the relational component of parents who love God and are living according to the biblical pattern. And then verse 21, the third component. I'm going to call this the emotional component. It says in verse 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Two critical words in that verse. Let me just identify them. First of all is the word provoke. Your translation might say exasperate. That word there 
means to irritate, to make resentful, to cause the child to become embittered. And it says, fathers, do not do that. Don't provoke your children into a resentful, embittered life. Don't exasperate them by the way that you lead them. That's a key word, but that's not the key word. You see, I believe that the meaning of this verse is much larger than a prohibition against a father being harsh and mistreating his child. I think the great focus is on the last word given here in the verse. And that is the word discouraged. That word discouraged is a, the issue of the heart. Your translation might say, so that they don't lose heart. To be discouraged is to lose heart. You see, what I believe is on the heart of God in inspiring this verse to be written is the heart of the child. And what the Father above is communicating to the fathers on earth is that what he is so concerned about is the heart of the child and that us as fathers have a calling and a responsibility by God to shape the hearts of our children specifically not to discourage them or strip them of courage, but instead to call out and call up the courage that God wants for them to approach life with. I believe that's the primarily, I'm not saying that the mother does not have a part to play in that, but I believe the instilling of or calling up of courage in the heart of the child is primarily the responsibility of the father. You see, there is a, there's a soft set of hands in the home, the hands of a mother, the life of a mother that seems to just naturally be endowed from God with the ability to comfort and to nurture and to soothe and to disseminate care as easy as breathing. I'm not saying that's always true, but I can tell you I've seen it in my home. I've seen it in my home for the last 22 years with my wife. It's a gift of God that is just in her that comes naturally. Let me, let me point it out another way. Think about what title or role within the family is not spotlighted in this passage. Let me show you what it is and you tell me what's missing. In verse 18, we have the wife. That title or role. In verse 19, we have the husband. In verse 20, we have the child. In verse 21, we have the father. Who's missing? Mom. Mom's missing. Did the the divine author that inspired Paul to write just kind of pass over that and kind of absent-minded? No, I believe it's not there because it's in moms. He puts it in moms. But there's a set of hands in the home that are stronger, that are rougher, 
the hands of the father, and the father holds the heart of the child in his hand. And the responsibility of the father is to build that heart up to be a heart filled with courage, not to strip that heart of courage. The way that a father provokes or exasperates a child is when he treats them harshly or displays impatience or breaks his promises or expects too much when he ignores their efforts and doesn't praise their accomplishments but instead highlights their failures when it's all work and no play, all rules and no relationship, that is exasperating, that is provoking to resentment and bitterness. That is a stripping of courage in the life of a child instead of the pouring of courage into the life of a child. Or the calling up and calling out of the courage, that germ of courage that God placed in the child from his fashioning and shaping them in the womb. Just think about this for a moment. Doesn't it seem like in the life of children, they enter into the world with that seed of courage there? I think about, it's an illustration, I think about my oldest son when he was about three years old up on the roof of the church with me. He was doing some work up there and mom was about 35 feet below in the backyard of the church over here and I was holding his hand and he was peering over the little parapet wall there and, and mom said, hey, Brooks jumped to mommy and he was ready to go over the wall and leap. Foolishness, courage, I submit to you that both are there. Both are there. And here's the father's job. Extract the foolishness and call up and build up the courage. You say, well, that's ridiculous. That's an impossibility. That's death, right? Well, let's just change the scenario a little bit. Let's say the one calling the child has hands that cannot miss. Strength without end. Love beyond understanding. That the call is of God and the hands are God's. And one day, the Father above is going to call that child to the things that he wants of that child. And our job as fathers is to get our children ready to leap into the hands of God to do whatever God calls them to do. That takes courage. That's not a leap of foolishness. That takes courage, though, to do that. It takes faith. Faith is courage. And our job, you see, We don't own the child. We don't own the child. 
We are stewards of a great charge given to us by God. And Scripture says that as our children commit themselves to the Lord, here's what they are. God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for them to do. You see, God's got the plan. And what our job is, is to come alongside the life of our children as they grow, extract foolishness, call up faith and courage so that they, when God calls them to whatever He calls them, whatever good works He places in front of them to do, that we give them the faith and the courage to step out and do those good works. That's our job. We can't abdicate that to anyone else. It's God's call to us. To do that, to call up, to build up that kind of a courage and to extract that foolishness, it takes about 18 years. About 18 years. You see, a, a child and a child's heart must be diligently, slowly developed, not by a rigid dictator, but by a relational dad. A dad who knows his children has taken time to develop that relationship, knows when to be firm, knows when to celebrate accomplishments, encourage efforts, correct mistakes. When to apply the rod to foolishness. When to speak healing. Why? Because he knows his son or daughter. It's our calling. Fathers, I believe that. Cecil Osborne said this. Perhaps once... Every hundred years or so, a child is ruined by excessive praise, but surely once every minute or two, one dies inside for lack of it. Someone else said, I don't have the originator of this quote, but I love the quote, great is the man who does not lose the heart of his child. So that's the emotional component. How do you develop the heart of a child? You do it by pouring courage into them. Helping them become emotionally filled up. Component number four. So we've looked at the spiritual component and the relational component Last week, and we just looked at number three, the emotional component. Here's the fourth component to developing the heart of a child. I believe right in the next section in the text, it's the physical component. I'm going to look at just verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I think if we just summed up this section right here, we can find the heart of it right there in verse 23. Do your work heartily as for the Lord. Physical component. Let me tell you what I see in this verse. I see in this verse a biblical worldview. Here is a person that looks at whatever they are doing and they see that whatever they put their hand to is really a service rendered unto the Lord because everything is God's. All of life is God's. He's the author of it. He's the owner of every moment. He is the one that gives the strength for every task. He is the goal and the reason for every opportunity. And what we need to do is live this way and teach our children this truth. To look through the world with a set of biblical eyes and to understand that it is all about God. That's what it's all about. And that this life is intended to be simply a process by which we are serving Him, bringing Him glory, whether we are digging ditches, whether we are developing telecommunications, whether we are designing bridges and buildings, whether we are providing medical care or services, whether we are preaching the gospel, whatever we do, we are to raise children that look at everything through that lens, the biblical lens. This is God's world. I'm God's. And everything is His. And what I am to do is do everything I do with that in mind. And with that in mind, then, if it's for God, whether I'm digging the ditch or performing the surgery, I need to do it with my whole heart because I'm serving the Lord when I do it. See, that's the physical component of life. Wholehearted service. Do you see the play on words here? At the end of verse 21, the idea was, Dad, don't cause your kids to lose heart. And then here in verse 23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. You see, the only way a child is going to find that, that conviction to put everything into everything they do with all their heart is if they haven't lost their heart in their upbringing. The physical component. Last component is this. I just have a couple of minutes. Let me just state it quickly. I'm going to call it the social component. See, what Paul does here is after he gives these instructions, then he comes 
to the end and he asks them to pray for him so that he could, verse 3, declare the mystery of Christ. He's asking for them, this church at Colossae to whom he's writing, to pray that open doors would happen in his ministry so he could declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once he makes that request, and he comes back to instruction in verse 5, and he tells them, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. He's talking about those who are outside of the family of God, those who are not saved. Walk in wisdom toward them and do what? Make the best use of the time. Well, how do you make the best use of the time related to outsiders? He answers it in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I think Paul is instructing them along the same lines as what he asked them to pray for him. And he's saying, do this. And your conversation with outsiders and the opportunities that you have to engage their life, always be ready when you engage them to use grace and salt or grace and truth to be proclaiming the truth to them in a spirit and in a heart of grace. Think about what Mike was saying, talking about the Panama trip. He said, man, let's just not be wimps. Let's communicate the gospel, right? Let's ask the simple questions. Do you know what salt does? Salt really has three different benefits to it. Salt adds seasoning and flavor, or brings out seasoning and flavor preserves salt protects so it adds seasoning it preserves or protects from decay and then number three it generates thirst think about that it seasons it preserves and it generates thirst What a great picture for us in our relationship with outsiders. Living in a decadent culture that is on a downward slide that we would season the world around us by our engagement with them, that we would preserve it from sliding further into decay and that we would generate a thirst in hearts and lives for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we should do that and our kids to watch that and model that so that we raise up children that in their world they engage with outsiders this social relationship in a way that is full of grace that seasons and preserves and generates thirst for Jesus. See, all of those, I believe, are key components given in order that will help develop the heart of the child. And the heart of the child is central. Above all, prize the heart. Focus on the heart.
And in that development, give them what they need first and foremost spiritually. They need the truth of the Word of God, the person of God, taught and shown and explained to them, the person of Jesus explained from the Word of God. They need to see what a relationship of marriage, that covenant is to look like. And they need their emotional tank filled as their foolishness is removed. And they need this social aspect, this physical aspect of doing everything for God and this social aspect of being a witness in their world. Their heart will be developed. And we can go a long way toward having children, verse 20, who live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. Please stand. Let me just pray a prayer again over you as a church body here, as a family of families. Father, I pray. God, I pray for the family unit. God, I know I know that we have a lot of singles in here and a lot of individuals whose kids are grown out of the home. But Lord, as long as we're breathing, you still have a plan for us and we still have opportunity to influence. And I pray that you would help us to be great influencers that develop the lives of those around us to live lives pleasing unto the Lord. And God, I pray for our families, our husbands and wives. I pray against the demise of the home in our culture, the pandemic of the demise of the home, that right here in this family of families, that the family would be honored and that that institution of the home and of marriage would be held sacred and children would be raised to understand and embrace deeply what a covenant relationship is. Praying you'd raise up young people from this body on fire for Jesus. That you would send them out burning into a world that needs a light. Do that, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.